Hey everybody, Steve Tatum here from the Perfect Album Side podcast. Um, it has come to my attention that David and Ian are planning to steal the format of the Perfect Album Side podcast show on today's episode. And we just wanted to go on record as saying that uh, in no way do we endorse this kind of uh, theft, for lack of a better word. Uh, at this point, lawyers have been contacted, cease and desist letters have been ignored thus far by David and Ian. I say all of that to let all of you know that there's a really good chance this is the final episode of the State of America podcast, uh, at least the final episode that I don't own. So that's it. We do not endorse this. Stay tall, everybody. Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America, hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me... As always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? I am better now that I got to see those rosy red cheeks of yours, Ian. Me? Oh, David. That's because I have the heat cranked in my house because it's cold up here. I hear you. I hear you. What is it? It's still like 90 down by you? or eh, It's about 55 tonight. 55 at night? Yeah. I'm lucky if I get 55 during the day, man. I mean, come on. Move down here. We can move in. I got, we got two spare bedrooms. You can move in. Bunk I in. I know. I have stayed in them. I know Stay there's one, there, there's literally one room that's referred to as Ian's room. That's something, you know? Yeah. We used to call it the turquoise room and now it's, it's Ian's room. <laughs> Me and the cats, you know? Oh, those cats love you. They do. They do. It's okay. I'm i I'm big in the feline community. That's what I hear. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's been proven. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but you know, it's a whole thing. There's some jokes I could make there, Ian, but I'm not. <laughs> David, this is a clean program and you know that. That's why I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about what we're what we're doing with today's episode, man. I am too. I uh I messaged Steve from the perfect alpha side and I said, Hey, I'm just reminding you we're stealing one from you. And he goes, The lawyers have been summoned. <laughs> well, Steve and Wyndham, they're two great guys. I love their podcast. Uh, even though they've uh reduced the frequency of it these days. Uh when it does come out, I'm right on it. It's legitimately one of the most unique podcasts I've ever heard. I don't know yeah. how they came up with that idea, but it's it's great. And I find myself, even like if I look at the topic and go, eh, that may be not something I like. I wind up listening to it and I learned a lot. So that's the art of a good podcast. Yeah. I mean, I listen to every one, even ones that like maybe don't, like you said, grab you right out of the gate. But I just like it and they have a good rapport. I mean, I, I wish they did more, but you know, sometimes life gets in the way, you know? Yeah. We had fun when we went on theirs. Um, we, were the, we were their first ever guest, Ian. We were their first ever guest and then we... Did them the courtesy. This is not the first time we've stolen their concepts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, credit where credit's due. But uh, it's a fun thing to do. So since, you know, since we just can't mooch our way onto people's podcasts all the time, we're uh, we're doing uh, we're doing our own version. Yeah. So their podcast is the uh, Perfect Album Side podcast, and you can find it on any format that you want to. Uh, it sounds great. We were impressed with their equipment when... Uh, yes. When we were on there, uh, encouraged me to. Holy shit. Game. 
we've ripped off their equipment too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the sheer mic. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta send them some of the money we make. So Steve and, and Wyndham will send you a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, that's about the percentage, you know. <laughs> so we're gonna do our own perfect album side sort of uh deal here with the Black Crows side projects. Why don't you give the exclusions? Because our producer Jason came up with this. And so for instance, North Mississippi All Stars are not a side project. Burning Tree would not be a side project. Yes, and things like, like uh, you know, Cry of Love wouldn't be considered a side project because that was before Audley was in the band. Not that you know, I, I that didn't really enter into my spectrum on this one, but uh, you know, things things of that nature. Things side projects are more of things they did either during their time with the Crows during hi- hiatuses or things that came post Crows for some some of the members. This is possibly the hardest topic we've ever had. Oh, this, this I sat was in terrible. my driveway the other night listening to music and I was saying some bad things about Jason. Yeah, I was too. I was cursing his, his entire life and soul. Yeah. But uh, because really what it was is, uh, is at one point, one of the criteria is you get a wild card. So I thought I could cheat the system and uh, sneak in a, a band twice, but no, it ain't that wild. So, you know, <laughs> but it keeps it interesting, keeps it fun. And, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure you came up with an interesting album. It was, sign. I, I it was like hard. My, it it was I found, hard. I found a loophole about five minutes before we came on. And so I'm hoping the judge doesn't throw it out, but I, I think I've got a, a loophole on one that's going to help me out big time. Am I going to have to show you the yellow card? Is that what's going on here? You, you may have to, you, you right. may have to be like wrong. That was one of very few sports references I'll ever make. Mm. Hey, it's about soccer, Ian, right? Real football. Uh, yes. Uh, they call that the footy, uh, where my people come from, you know, on saying? the pitch. <laughs> All right. So you're about ready to get this started. Let's roll. All right. Well, the first track on the perfect album side, the criteria for that was the best album opening track. Now, David, since I'm a courteous gentleman, I'm going to let you go first. All right. So this one was tough. I had Tulsa yesterday on there. I had 40 days on there. Ultimately, I went with Featherweight Dreamland off Mark Ford's Weary and Wired. This is one of the more unique songs in Mark Ford's catalog. There is no buildup to it. It just starts off and goes. It's probably the fastest song that I know that he's recorded, which, you know, he's he's known for making those notes count, not exactly, you know, tearing up the, the fretboard really fast. And he sings through this, like, mic, not a mic, like megaphone type effect. It, to me, it's the most unique song in his catalog. And I'm a huge Weary and Wired fan. That's actually my favorite 
uh, album of his, uh, Dirty Girl and Smoke Signals uh, are all on there. But when I first got the album, I don't know if I even heard the single. It was, I got the CD and I put in, this is the first thing I heard. And so uh, there's a little bit of art to this. You may have a song that you like more or whatever, but you got to figure out how it's going to go with the perfect album side. And so ha- obviously had to have a Mark Ford song on here. And uh, due to some constraints with things like favorite solo and thing like that, I had to default to this one. Uh, this was in my one of my three picks. But uh, I know you're a huge Mark Ford solo guy, but I never hear you talk about Weary and Wire, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about Weary and Wire, and I thought this gets the album off to a great start. It's uh, That's a great pick. It's a great opening track. Um, not necessarily my favorite track on that record. Um, it's actually the the thing that you mentioned. The uh, the vocal is actually what turns me off that a little bit, but uh, Weary and Wired actually was the, the record that was coming out when I first interviewed Mark for Hitting the Note magazine. Uh, so you know we were covering that at the time, and uh, I, I and then shortly after that was the tour for it, where all the material for Fuzz Machine was was done. Right. Even though Fuzz Machine came out way later, like they kind of did it on the tour, recorded it, and then shelled it for a while. So I kind of tended to gravitate towards Fuzz Machine because I, you know I that's I met Mark Ford on that tour, and it was just a, you know a lot of nice memories. Well, to that. me, Weary and Wired sounds more like a band. And I will honestly, Weary and Wired really is a burning tree. Reunion, right. You know? And see, I, I, I almost went with Hell or High Water because I, I love mm. his, his debut album. But the thing about the debut album is, and we talked about when we had it on here, a lot of the solos and stuff, he lets other people take on that one. Yeah. He's got all these guests, you know, half of L.A. was there, you know, mm. <laughs> on, on that album. And uh, Hell or High Water is unique. It's got the horns and everything in it. I love it. But to me, Featherweight Dreamland sticks out because it doesn't sound like anything else in his catalog. Yeah. yeah, It's a nice pick, David. And you make a good case for it. I'm a little disappointed because the one track that you let slide was your opening track at one point. And this is where I thought we were at least going to have a matchup because I conceded. I had a few tracks on my list, but I ended up going with this one. And that's Chris Robinson and the New Earth Mud doing 40 Days. stellar opening track great guitar from paul stacy uh you know one of his better better contributions to, in a catalog of great contributions in the new earth mud between the two new earth mud records um you know i had some other 
choices on there but like as you mentioned it uh you know you fall victim to oh no i need that guy over in right. this category instead so um you know i had rich robinson's uh i know you which is the opening track to ceaseless sight which i right. really like that but ultimately i think you know i wanted to go with something a little more up tempo a little more upbeat and 40 days is a strong tunes probably one of the strongest tunes in his catalog his solo catalog anyway <laughs> Not only is it one of the, the stronger tunes, that along with like Peace of Wind, I think sonically are the two heaviest songs he's done post-Crows because on the first album, solo album, it was a lot more singer-songwriter type stuff. And then he opened it up a little bit on this album. When I think of this song, I think of the appearance on David Letterman. Yes, me too. He's wearing, wearing the big like uh, chrome sunglasses and just really, I forgot who was playing bass on that. Uh, that was wasn't that George? Re- George I, that's what I was thinking. He's just locked in on that, and it was kind of cool because that's the first time you'd seen Chris really kind of rock out since he mm-hmm. was in the Crows, and he was definitely feeling it on that performance. We've talked about that album, you know, before. We did an under review on it. I really wish he'd have done more stuff in that vein with the with that band because they were clicking on all cylinders. Mm. Man, you, 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 after you've listened to the first New Earth Mud album and you throw this in, you're probably thinking that's going to be a little more mellow. And I mean, he comes out and kicks you in the teeth. It's, it just comes out of the gate uncharacteristically hard and fast. And I, I love it. It, it, it had to be cut for other reasons. Like I said, those three were, were, it was tough, but I had to cut it for other reasons. We're really lucky that Chris has two solo bands. Yeah, I will say that. Very, very lucky for that. No, I can't argue with that pick at all. It, it was it was in my top three. You know, technically, Rich has two solo bands as well. We'll get into that. <laughs> but all right, that's going to be a challenging one uh, come later when we make our uh, final decision here. But uh, so track number two falls under the heading of favorite solo. And I went with uh, this track by Mark Ford. This is uh, my love that came from the Fuzz Machine record. I mentioned on a on an episode recently my appreciation for this solo. I think it's one of his strongest solos in the catalog. 
uh, of anything he's ever done. Uh, it fits the song very, very well. It's another one of those kind of smack you right in the face, Mark Ford moments of brilliance where you just, you, I, I can't argue with it. It's, it's another, it's one of the things I would definitely point to if you said, why do you think Mark Ford is a great guitar player? And I would turn to this solo and there's you know, the solo on a change of mind is all, it was also in the running for me. I think that's a fantastic solo, but out of any of the solo efforts, uh, this was, this was the solo I always am drawn back to. So that's, it was hands down. I didn't, this is, this is the one pick that I didn't even really have to think about too much. So I'm admittedly not the most familiar with his post weary and wired stuff. I really need to get into fuzz machine more because everybody raves about it, but you had mentioned that song on a prior episode. And I listened to it and liked it. And I went like went back and listened to it the other night when I was sitting out in my driveway and I almost, honestly, I almost picked it, but I had a pretty good feeling you were going to pick it, which I probably should have gone with it. Cause that would have guaranteed that it's on the perfect album side. Yeah, but, you screwed me is what you did. Well, no, I think it would have been, <laughs> honestly, I think it would have been a little disingenuous because mm. that I just got turned on to that song recently. And there's other th- things that I was familiar with. So ultimately I decided not to go with it, but it, it definitely was on my list. Well, what did you go with? So <clears throat> we're getting into the situation where you have to be strategic on things. Ian, what's my favorite Rich Robinson song? The Giving Key. Right. I almost went with that, but I couldn't for other reasons. So I went with, uh, off the first Chris Robinson Brotherhood album, I went with Star or Stone.
Now, one of the reasons I picked this is Neil Casal and that band a lot of times were uh, compared to the Grateful Dead and the way that Neil just kind of played over the tapestry and, and kind of weaved in and out like Jerry did. And what's interesting is I, I've heard from people say that like Neil Casal could shred. Like he was a big metal fan. I've heard Eddie Trunk talk about that. You know, they grew up in that New Jersey scene and that he could play any of that. And I heard Chris one time say, oh, Neil's trying to turn me on to all this heavy metal stuff. But, you know, I've talked numerous times. I think what he did with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals was the best work he's done. I thought it was brilliant, especially if you saw him live. And to me, he brought a little bit of that to that Star Stone solo. Now, if you listen to it, it just it fits perfectly, and it's it's not flashy, it's not showy, it's what the it's what the song needs. And he, you know, it's a little bit of a longer solo, but to me, it was his most Jerry Garcia like solo, and just added so much to that record. I love that first record. I, I think it's I think it's amazing. But that song would not be that song without him. And we got to mention Neil Casal if we're doing this, because the guy is so intertwined with the Black Crows, with Beachwood Sparks. And then, you know, he almost got the gig before Ford. And then obviously he, you know, was as equal a part as Chris Robinson Brotherhood as Chris Robinson. And, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He left some great music. And to me, that's his that's his legacy is that solo. I mean, you can't argue with that pick. That The hard part about this uh, category is that in the sphere of solo projects, there are some heavy hitters in terms of guitar playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mark Ford aside, is uh, obviously Neil Casal. Uh, Rich himself is a you know often can uh, blast out a, a great solo. You know, I love Rich's. Mix, so- I love yeah. Rich's solos. That the solo on "I Ain't Hiding" is phenomenal. Yeah, for a song that he detests so much, he really laid his one of his best solos if, on it. If if we ever if we ever get to interview him, and I would I would absolutely love to interview him. That's one of the things I want to ask him about. Were you just so mad that y'all were recording that song that you just took it all out on the on the guitar? Because I think it's a great solo and it perfectly fits that song. It does. I have to find. I hope it's still out there. It was. It took me a minute to find it on YouTube, but there's a there's a an interview clip of of rich talking about i ain't hiding and his just his dis, disdain for that song is so, doesn't he call it disco song or something like that something like that yeah but like you could it's like that's real you know look, what i mean look when that when that song first came out i was like what in the world and then the more i listen to it i love it i listen to it all the time i think it's great you listen to it in the shower don't you nah you have a little dance in there i know yeah. i know your way i, I can't dance in never say that you can't do anything david you can do anything you put your mind to that's okay. true. I'm like Doc Brown over here. If you put your <laughs> mind to it, you could accomplish it. No, it wasn't Doc Brown. That was uh, uh, George McFly. I'm sorry. Right. But at any rate, the next category for the next track on the perfect album side of Black Crow side projects falls under the heading of favorite riff. Well, for this one, for me, uh, it was a no brainer. I don't know if we match up on this. I really don't. Let's find out. Drum roll, please. I went with Magpie Salute doing Omission. We have a winner.
I mean, I love this riff when it was the version of the song in Hookah Brown, and I saw them live. And when those demos for Hookah Brown were kind of leaked out and Omission was not it, I was a bit disappointed because I, I think it's one of his coolest riffs, its most interesting riffs. It's Rich is always good for holding on to a riff and you can hear it at one time and then you, know, you don't hear it for a while then it just pops up again somewhere and it's it's perfect at the time it pops up and you know i mean they don't call the guy riff robinson for nothing so i uh, th- this to me like you said no-brainer tony iomi would tip his cap to this one. Oh yeah i mean it is filthy funky nasty fuzzy everything you can think of and it is classic rich robinson yeah uh, there's no, no two ways about it that was a period when it was originally written for uh, hookah brown through the lion's era and then more so into his early solo period he was writing really heavy stuff like detuned open f stuff very heavy he he used an effect that he he stopped using as much but it was like a like the rotating leslie speaker you know when you do like a hammond b3 or something like that that rotating speaker there's a guitar effect for it and he was uh using that at the time as well and it's it, that coupled with the the distortion on his guitar and the sound he was using just really came up with these dirty swampy riffs like on uh gone away yeah i mean that's a that's a, a deep hard and heavy groove yeah th- i mean I, I if we didn't get unanimous on this one i was like something's wrong with one of us this was easy it precluded itself from the opening track one because i knew it needed to be on the on the greatest riff well I mean, it's a short discussion when we agree with each other like this. You know what I, I mean? Know, so it, happens, can, it happens once a decade. So I know. And we can uh, we can roll on to uh, the f- track in the fourth position. This one was a bit more of a difficult one. And I, 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 I stewed over this for quite some time. I'm interested to see what you came up with. So I'm going to let you go first. That's most unique slash standout performance. All right. Here's the loophole. Oh, here it is. Uh, How did you cheat, the, David? We got the judge <laughs> over there. This one was the one that got me. I almost went with Rich Robinson doing "Got to Get Better," "Got to Get Better" in a little while. You know the Derek and the Domino song. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost went with that. Almost went with Rich doing "Oh Sweet Nothing." I almost went with on the Betty's Blends live album, the CRB doing "I Ain't Hiding" because Adam McDougal gets kind of funky on it. But off the Brothers of a Feather album, I went with their version of Little Feet's "Roll 'Em Easy." Paradise, sweet paradise. 
the crows did turn me on to little feet and this is one of the songs they used to do that along with willing so uh that's what i went with mr judge is that appropriate all right got the thumbs uh, up I see you guys are conspiring i don't know i might have thrown a flag on that play to be honest with you and there's no there's no appeals the supreme court has ruled that's dirty that's dirty but i'm gonna i mean you know if, if my I wife's an play. attorney ian i know how to think about these things oh damn it all right well, i'm gonna let you have it because jason said it was okay it's a great song it is a great and song. It's, and it's a great song for them to do in that setting. It's a campfire song. I'm also a little, uh, not to uh, be negative here, but uh, I'm a little uh, leery of uh, allowing covers on this. I did not specify a rule against covers. And I also did not think of Brothers of a Feather being a potential side project. So that is an interesting loophole. That's See, all. this is what happens. Ever since we it, brought Jason and you two conspire against me, and I don't... <laughs> But uh, I went with uh, something uh, I thought is a little different than than a lot of the stuff you hear in the solo catalog, and even different within this band's particular short but sweet catalog. I went with Trigger Hippie doing Born to Be Blue. chose this one because amber woodhouse really puts on a stellar performance on this but it's it's so so much different than anything you know really in in any of the other side projects i considered it kind of unique and she was the the standout of this track i mean it's a great track all around any anytime you can listen to something and steve gorman's playing the drums and you're not immediately focused on that as a crows fan that's a winner to me because you know I, I totally don't even consider that when i'm listening to this because amber is, is doing such a fine job i mean even just harmonizing with herself towards the end it's fantastic so the year that this album came out uh that was my song of the year and i've been lucky enough to watch our producer jason Donces try to get his groove onto it in person to this wow. song mm. yeah yeah he was clearing out the dance floor in nashville no this song is amazing it's even better live because it's a very very long build up to it and 
the song's got a live has got a little bit of a psychedelic feel to it but uh nick and steve lock into this groove and then amber could sing the back of a tomato soup can and i'm going to be interested in it and when they play it live they really they really drag it out at the end in a cool way to where it's you you think they're done but steve just keeps getting lower lower and lower and then it just stops she is one of the more amazing vocalists i've ever seen live and super nice you know we've all kind of chatted with her a little bit after nashville and then i went and saw him in birmingham she's just amazing i mean she's got pipes she can sing anything but that's the best thing trigger hippies ever done i love the song and uh every time i've seen them been lucky enough to see them play it and it's uh there are no regrets with that pick yeah i mean she she definitely needed to be on this list somewhere because uh she's one of the uh unsung heroes as they say in the uh, black crow side project universe and uh, definitely deserved a mention so that brings us to where i tried to find a loophole but oh no judge jason wouldn't let me have my loophole but uh <laughs> track number five falls under the heading of the wild card pick and i went with something from the crb the good old chris robinson brotherhood i picked burn slow from the phosphorus and harvest album <laughs> As anybody who listens to this podcast for any length of time knows, I have never been the hugest CRB fan. I just, it's just never, and I hate to say that because I know Ryan Olesky's listening. Yeah, he just turned upset. off. He just quit Patreon again. I know. And he, you know, I need him around. He's a good dude. But uh, it's just never really, it's not that I dislike it. It just never really caught me like a lot of the other stuff does. But when something from the CRB hits me, it hits me big time. And this burn slow is probably the, by far the my most favorite thing that they've they've ever recorded it's such a haunting sounding song there's so much space in it and between chris's the like the slight echo on chris's vocal and the the stuff that that neil is playing on the guitar i mean it's 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 gripping this is a great tune uh i even can suffer through the uh quote-unquote space shit that adam mcdougall is doing in this song just because it's that great otherwise 
Oh, his his playing totally works with CRB. Yeah. Um, this is definitely their most psychedelic album. Uh, kinda, yeah, for sure. Kind of out there. I, I can't I can't complain with that. It's a it's a it's a good song. That's a interesting album. You know, it starts off with shore power, you know, and it's got some Adam McDougal touches on that, but it doesn't get talked about enough though, the version of Tornado on there. And, and then I like jump to turnstile. But yeah, burn slow, and it's definitely a slow burn because that's a slow song. But it's some amazing vocals by Chris. And I think it's one of their more listened to ones if you look on Spotify. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. I just I was in my local record shop one day and the 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 gentleman that's the uh like the manager of the shop who I learned early on as a black crows kind of guy, but he's very heavily into the CRB. I think he does this on purpose when I come into the store because all of a sudden something black crows will just pop on. And he was playing this. And I had to walk up to him and, you know, a little bit embarrassed because of obviously what I do here. I said, I, I know that's CRB, man, but what is that? And he told me, you know, and then just from there, I, I, I listened to it over and over again. It's just such a, such a great tune. He sees a sucker walking through the door, doesn't he? He does. He puts that CRB and Manassas box set out and, and, and knows he's got a sale. <laughs> Not for nothing. They didn't even have phosphorus and harvest. I probably would have suckered right into buying it, but uh, it wasn't in the rack. So uh, I just had to listen to it and then, uh, you know. I actually bought it on vinyl because of this track. I mean, really, that's how much I love this tune. So what was your wild card, David? Ian, what's my favorite song by Trigger Hippie? Born to be Blue. That's my wild card pick. Uh, so that we kind of match up. That doesn't really count, though, because it's not the same category, I guess. We'll let no, well, we'll let our, our the judge and jury decide which one it goes with. But either way, it's going to be on the perfect album side, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, what else more can be said? We just covered it, really, but I'm still, I'll just hammer it home one more time. Fantastic tune. And I didn't mention this just before, but honestly, of the two Trigger Hippie records, that Full Circle and then some, to me, is the better record. A lot of people gravitate towards the first one with Joan Osborne and, and Jackie Green, and there's some some great stuff in there, Heartache on the Line and all that. But there's something more fully realized about the uh, the second record. And uh, I, love I, was, I, I was hoping to hear some more from them. Hopefully we will at some point, but I just feel like that's a band with a lot of people that have other day jobs. So we come to the final track on the perfect album side that comes under the best album closer. David, I can't tell you how excited I am to hear what your pick is. So uh, I'm going to let you have second spot on this. I'm going to throw mine out there first. I picked a Rich Robinson song, which is probably no surprise to anybody, especially uh, either in this room with me or listening out there. This song comes from Rich's last official solo album flux and that's the song sleepwalker
I think Sleepwalkers are a really great closer because dynamically it's very strong. It starts off somewhat kind of muted and uh, reserved, and then it builds to this this huge ending. I think it's a real excellent way to to end a record. It also is kind of a precursor to the to the Magpie Salute in that uh, John Hogg is singing backing vocals on this. Magpie Salute actually would would do this a few times in some of their sets. I never got to see them do it, but uh, I just think overall it's a it's a fantastic closure and i would put it up against uh some of the uh closers in the proper black crows catalog to be honest with you i don't know, dave what do you think all right so i'm not the most familiar with it but i did go and listen to it and you're right kind of builds to a big crescendo at the end and then kind of mellows out at the end of it and flux i think is a really good album matter of fact I toyed with Upstairs Land is my favorite opening song. It is a good one. And, and I did, I kind of flirted with that for a minute as well. And music that will lift me on there. I really, really like. Here's a little fun fact for all you kids out there. Music that'll lift me was co-written by Charlie Starr. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Now go back and listen to it. And you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Did you see recently where he was on like a reboot of Daryl's house? I, it's funny you mentioned that. I just saw that advertised on uh, Instagram, I think. Uh, look yeah. forward to that. He's a good guy. You might hear from him again on here. Mm. Yeah. I, I th- It blows my mind, though, that we've gone through this whole thing on your end anyway, and Ceaseless Sight did not pop up. I think maybe because Ceaseless Sight, I kind of take as a whole package in a way. I did. I it, uh, I know you was uh, in the running for best opener, but... Uh, uh, 40 days just won out on that. It's just 40 days was a little bit more up tempo and, and lyrically a little more aggressive. Something you like to hear right out of the gate. You know what I mean? I hear you. Are we going to get your uh, album closer, David? Or are you just going to keep us? I'm about to shock. I'm about to shock all of you. And well, you're a hot take Hudson, you know? No, it's a great one. I know. I know a few people out there are going to love it. And I think you're going to love it. So this one was one I had to be kind of, crafty with the closing track from rich robinson's live at the knitting factory his cover of the rolling stones memo from turner
I never heard of it until um, Ray Permi just turned off after I said that. I had never heard it until Rich performed it. And I saw on one of the message boards, it was a Stones song. So it was on like that Metamorphosis, Metamorphosis album, right? Well, what what uh, Memo from Turner is, is, is technically a Mick Jagger solo yeah, song. Yeah, I know. He's got a version of it, too. That's that's what was recorded. And the version that Rich you know, uses as the template is that Mick Jagger version with Ry Cooter playing the guitar. It's for the, this movie, a terrible movie. It's called Performance. Um, like Like we've said, there may be nobody in the business better at picking covers for himself than Rich. Oh, yeah. Oh, his and, cover of Memo from Turner is fantastic. And I love hearing him play slide guitar. Yeah. And he he nails, nails Memo from it. Turner. Nails the only other color, cover he nails closer is Don't Do It, which is from the same performance. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him doing Oh Sweet Nothing. And then I think Up on Cripple Creek, he's great at. But we'll, we'll talk about that some other day. This is like, hey, you walk into a bar and you've had a few beers and there's a bar band playing and it's Rich Robinson just tearing this up. And I love that, like, he doesn't go for the easy stuff on a lot of things. Like you said, don't do it. I mean, that's a the band covering Marvin Gaye. Now, obviously, Chris and Mark play on that. But um, if I remember correctly, Rich starts it off, doesn't he? he yeah. The I first mean, first. The, the actual, believe it or not, the 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 version that's better is the one that's on the knitting factory uh yeah just with him him singing you know on his own without anybody you know helping him out it's a little bit more pure to me well i had to i had to pick my shot with him because um the giving key i could have found a lot of categories to put that on there i i think that's a top five song he's ever written regardless of crows or not but anyway uh so i picked a cover from a live album that was not explicitly stated in the rules that you couldn't do it yes nice pick david nice pick i mean i think overall we both had some pretty uh strong lists so uh, i think it's time to bring in producer jason to uh be a judge and jury on this one jason all right yeah great discussion guys man i um it's interesting how this unfolded and uh i'm curious going to see your reaction when we're done so obviously the stipulation that was the toughest was you could not repeat a band so when they talk about how hard it was to slot these in that that was the biggest caveat that was a problem and the good news is we had plenty of bands to choose from uh on my count we had seven officially uh with david's loophole of brothers of a feather that added an eighth there was also the possibility to pick Sweet Pickle Salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that added a ninth band in there, which none of you did, which is fine. Uh, so here's where I'm at. I've listened to it. I've been here the whole time. I've made my notes. I've made my picks. And so we'll walk through it. First uh, category was opening track. Now, for me, as I was slotting my own list and having to play the same game, and by the way, to all those listening, the final picks have to follow the same rules too. So I could not pick the same band as I was picking the winners. So that made it a little tough too. But for me, I the Chris Robinson opening tracks are are pretty stellar. The one that I actually enjoy the most is Narcissus Soaking Wet from crb nice. funky uh, yeah i really dig that that's that funk stuff that that uh that davis talk about my runner-up that i was considering was gone away from rich um that's a pretty filthy nasty way to open a record 
and then I made a list of all sorts of like uh, what I would call runners up. And I wanted to see if one of you would pick one of them. And one of those that was on the list was 40 days. So Ian with the new earth mud track 40 days is going to get the first pick onto the perfect, the actual perfect album side of side projects. Track one will be 40 days. That's one nil, David. I know. I'm I'm gonna get shut out. I know I am. You guys are conspiring <laughs> against me. It's like All it's right. like it's like Dantes of School, Michigan, stealing signs, man. I'm it's, I'm set up. I've got my scouts out there. We're at, we're on the sideline at Central Michigan. All right. Uh, category two favorite solo. Uh, in my mind, this category was heavily favoring Mark Ford. Uh, which I apologize, although I did have one rich song on here, which of course was the giving key. Uh, that solo is amazing. And um, I needed to use rich somewhere else. And so I didn't pick that one. Uh, but it's interesting how you guys went uh, with David with Star Stone, Ian with My Love. My Love as a Mark Ford solo is amazing. I My personal Mark Ford favorite is the whole last two and a quarter, like 225 of Next to Me, which is mm. that same record. Oh, I just love that so much. So if I can't get Next to Me, I'm going to take the next closest thing to that, and I went with My Love. Oh, David, that's 2-0. <laughs> All right, so obviously we get to category three, which is our favorite riff. You guys were unanimous in your pick with omission. I do absolutely love that riff as well. Um, that was a good pick. Uh, others in consideration. I really love the riff to "By the Light of the Sunset Moon." From that is the, a good one, and I'll throw you one another one from that record. Uh, run, run. Yeah, uh, it was a riff that Rich did as a like an instrumental opener on his 2004 tour, and then when I popped up on, as Run Run, I was so happy. I loved that riff too. That's a good one. That's a good. I didn't uh, really think too much of the Llama Blues LP. Nice one, Jason. Yeah, for a long time that was my alarm. Until then, I changed it to Dry County, which we'll talk about later. Now that's my alarm. When my alarm goes <laughs> off every morning, it's Dry County by Tr Trigger Hippie. Um, I also considered, just in case I had to use Rich somewhere else, I considered a couple of Mark Ford songs in this. Um, Idle Time and Don't Come Around are both pretty fun riffs mm. to rock out to. I really enjoy. But because David and Ian were unanimous in their uh, selection of omission, that is what goes on the perfect album side. The Magpie Salute song of omission is our favorite riff. The next category was actually my favorite. This was my biggest list of so many ways we could talk about the most unique or standout performance. Uh, there was a lot of ways to go with this. I thought originally of Matt Pie Salute with Lost Boy with Allison Krauss. As a guest, um, just a phenomenal song, a nice ballad. Her voice is so good. And with Mark singing that song, um, it's just beautiful. It's a standout track for me in the whole Magpie catalog. I also, speaking, going back to like when you say Run Run showed up, it was an instrumental riff that Rich was doing. Um, there's a lot of songs that Rich has that are uh, recycled crows riffs from mm -hmm. songs that never saw the light of day if you listen to when you will and now listen to aimless peacock tell me mm. what you think about those two so that was on my list to think about what i ultimately went with though this is where i slipped in a bagman song 
And I went with, I can feel it because if you listen to the interview that Steve did with our buddies, Jason and Brian, all things blues and Southern rock, he talked about how they had finished a session and they had this song. They hadn't done anything with it. They thought, let's just play it and get something on tape so we can start working with it. And so they fired up the tape. They played, I can feel it all the way through. And when you listen to that song, it's that take. That's their first time they ever played that song all the way through. And all the jamming at the end it, with Steve and Luther and all of the uh, Nick vocals and stuff, that's all the first time they had ever done it. And that's the take you hear. Nice. So, Interesting. So that was my pick uh, for that one. Uh, but in this case, based on your guys' pick, I got the Roll em Easy from both where David tried to circumvent the rules. And then I have Born to be Blue from Ian. Obviously, Born to Be Blue was nominated in the wild card. So this is going to reveal both picks. But Born to Be Blue has to be on the perfect album side. And so I'm going to pick it here because the Burn Slow, which I was interested to see you didn't pick it as a closer. I had had it on my honorable mentions as a closer. So again, according to my own rules, if you mention a song that I put on my list, I got to put that on the perfect album side. So Ian in a in a twofer like right out of the gate got both songs on the list oh dear Based on my rules that i didn't <laughs> even tell you ahead of time um, oh so dear born, yep david blue the fix is the, in man <laughs> <laughs> sorry david but if, if i'm following the rules um, that leaves us with the closer, which actually worked out conveniently because I would have been stuck if this didn't happen. But you both picked a Rich Robinson song, which was the band that I needed, um, which was good. So thank you for that. I'm going to always pick an original over a cover in this case. If we're trying to tell people about these side projects and how good they are, I want you to hear their original creations. And I know that that was Ian was throwing a flag on some of these these cover picks. I was allowing it because I knew we would work it out in the end. Uh, so I picked for the best closer, uh, Sleepwalker off of Flux. Flux is my favorite Richard Robinson album. I I absolutely love that record. And so when you pick Sleepwalker off of that, that I was very excited. And I thought, yeah, that that's a that's the winner right there. So, in other words, just edit me out of the episode. Yeah, but well, what it sorry. is is I mean we did have uh omission David that was mutual. We both had born to be blue in different capacities. So it's really not a total landslide. I just don't try to sugarcoat it. Fix is no, in, I take, man. I take enjoyment rigged. out of this because rigged. because you were so smug before this episode to oh mine's so much better and everybody's going to love me and uh, oh bah. We'll let it play out on social media. <laughs> That's all right. I, as long as I'm popular with Jason, I don't care. Post your comments below. So the perfect album side. The perfect album side. Got to see here. Yeah, harness my Stephen Wyndham. <laughs> um, as we do, perfect album side. <laughs> side projects goes as follows. The best opening track of a Black Crow's side project is 40 Days by Chris Robinson and the New Earth Mud. Our favorite solo of a Black Crow's side project is My Love by Mark Ford. Our favorite riff is Omission by the Magpie Salute. Our most unique and standout performance is Born to be Blue by Trigger Hippie. 
Our wild card pick was burned slow from the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. And finally, our favorite closing track of a record is Sleepwalker off of Rich Robinson's record Flux. Well, <laughs> I was going song by song, making my notes and making my picks, and it I didn't it's intend fine. that it's fine. at all. It's rigged. It's rigged. It's okay. <laughs> Fix was in. <laughs> Listen, here's what I'd like to do as the uh, play out for this episode, being that I trampled all over David's list and you know crushed his dreams for the evening. I would like David to select the R playout song. So what are you going to go with, David? I'm going to pick something that wasn't even on the list. That's perfect. Rich Robinson's Upstairs Land. Nice pick. I like that. All right. Well, I do appreciate everybody joining us for this. I had a good time with it. No, this is really fun to do. I, I appreciate Steve and Wyndham letting us uh, borrow their concept. And uh, I appreciate Jason coming up with the categories and really spearheading this whole thing. It was a great idea. And uh, we should do more things like this uh, in the future. But uh, we would like to know what everybody thinks of our individual list about the final list and what you would have picked or not picked. And uh, we look forward to seeing that on social media. And you can also uh, always email us at state of America at gmail.com. Or if you're so inclined, go check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash state of America. And we are going to wrap this up. But before we do that, we're going to throw it over to producer Jason live. Stay tall, everyone. Till the shade begins to